The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Reed Wilkins Wilkins on on Oilers Radio, Radio. 630 Chad. It was hoped this homestand could help revive the Edmonton Oilers season. Instead, playoff hopes on life support and fading fast. For the second straight game, the Edmonton Oilers are beaten 5-0, this time by the Los Angeles Kings. Earlier this season, General Manager Peter Shirelli gave us the headline, Death by a Thousand Cuts, to describe the Oilers' struggles. Well, another cut revealed this evening. A five-minute major penalty late in the second period with the Oilers down one nothing. Los Angeles storms out, scores three goals on that five-minute power play to put it out of reach. The Oilers have gone 121 minutes and 45 seconds without a goal. The last time they scored was Leon Dreisaitl's game-tying goal against Chicago back on December 29th. For the sixth time this season, the Oilers have lost a game by four goals or more. It happened just twice all of last year. Things are looking very bleak for this team. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan in a few minutes along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. We'll start with the turning point of the game, Rob, really a turning sequence. Jesse Pagliarvi, open net, fires it, hits the crossbar, goes out. That was with 39 seconds left in the second period. The official time of the uh, Penalty for Maroon was with 4.9 seconds left. Obviously, he committed it about 10 seconds earlier, and then the and then the whistle went. And I'm sure Todd McClellan and the Oilers won't uh, think it was a five-minute penalty. But uh, you and I looked over the rule, and to me, you know, when you when you see it and you look at the interpretation of the rule, that's a five-minute major. Well, I said as soon as it happened, I, I looked at you and I said that's five, and I would expect it to be five. And I know that if it was. Uh, McDavid or, or Dreisaitl or Nurse or any player on the Edmonton Oilers that was hit as Dowdy was, that we would be expecting a five-minute major going to the opposition. Uh, it, it wasn't a smart play. Uh, Dowdy didn't have the puck. He, he went, the first contact was to the head. So it was, I think, pretty simple for the ref to make the call. Um, and it's too bad because the, it was a good hockey game. You know, the, it's a 5 nothing loss, but through 40 minutes, it was a good hockey game. And I actually thought the Oilers were the better team in the second period. They made two mistakes. One was one resulted in a goal, and the other one resulted in a, in a breakaway. But they had a number of great scoring chances, none better than the Pugliarvi one that I, I, I think that if he... You know, he would have taken a second. He would have realized that he could put the puck just about anywhere in the net and score. But, you know, you're in the heat of the game. You're just throwing the puck as fast as you can on net, and you went up high. If that goes in, it's 1-1 going into the third. All momentum's on the other side. It doesn't. And then right after that, Maroon takes the penalty. And the one thing, you can't play that kind of hockey for two reasons. One, it's dumb. And two, this is a team that can't kill penalties. So it takes away part of what made the Oilers effective last year in the playoffs. They played on the edge. They were a very physical team. They bullied teams. But you can't bully teams if you can't kill penalties because you saw what happened tonight, a game that was still there for the taking, a one nothing game and on the third. All of a sudden, three power play goals, game over, sucks the life right out of your team, and you got nothing left. So uh, uh, you can't take penalties like that, whether it's a 2, a 4, or 5, in a game that you need to win and you're already losing. Officially, L.A. will be three for six on the power play. The way it works on a five-minute major is that every time you score, they consider a new power play having started. Seriously? Yes. So on the five-minute major, they uh, stats-wise go three for four. The Oilers actually killed off the uh, two minors that they received tonight. Oilers' power play didn't help. Had a couple opportunities to give them the lead. They go 0 for three. The Oilers' home ice penalty killing sinks to 55.6%. On the season, Rob, on the uh, pregame show, I gave you this information. The worst ever home ice penalty killing in a full season. Washington, 77-78, 66.7%. The Oilers, a full 10% below that. Yeah, no, not good. And and this is the LA Kings power play, which isn't very good on the road. They were dead last, weren't they, in the they national They were 9.6 on the road. So this was a penalty 
power, excuse me, a power play that if you're going to break out and have some success, it would have been tonight. And again, I mean, dumb penalties and bad power and bad penalty killing do not equal success, and it didn't again tonight. Do you think Maroon get, will get suspended? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got one. I think the fact that Dowdy came back and finished the game uh, may uh, get him out of a suspension. If Dowdy doesn't finish the game, he'd be suspended for sure. Um, yeah, I, it wouldn't shock me. I, is he a repeat offender? Has he been suspended before? I don't think Burns ever been suspended before. Then that, that goes into the decision-making of you know, the National Hockey League when it comes to that. It wouldn't shock me, but I, I think the damage was done tonight. Whether he's suspended or not, I don't know if that makes it any worse for the Edmonton Oilers. The penalty tonight lost them the hockey game. 5 nothing. The Oilers lose to Los Angeles. Second straight game, they have lost 5 uh, nothing. The Oilers have now been shut out five times this season. We're not quite at the halfway point. That'll be against Anaheim on Thursday. All of last season, the Oilers were shut out three times. Oddly enough, they won one of those games, one nothing in a shootout uh, in Montreal, though officially they uh, they were shut out, though that doesn't mean much now. Uh, obviously, no Japanese Village goal light tonight. Whenever the Oilers get to five or more in a game, we'll turn that on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. You can print up a coupon for a free appetizer, three locations for Japanese Village, downtown south side, and... North side. Okay, so the Oilers' record is 17-20-3. All right, and the guy who's uh, the big story tonight for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices, here's the guy who was kicked out for the headshot, Patrick Maroon. Patrick, that's a tough tough penalty to take. Just your thoughts on, on the decision that you made there and the call. Oh, yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm glad he came back finish the game, Dowdy. Um, honestly, I'm a big forward. I'm just going in and do my job. Is going the forward check. My body was inward. My, none of my elbows didn't come up. Nothing came up. It's just unfortunate that my fall through my body kind of hit him in the, in the head. Uh, I'm not a dirty player. I never was a dirty player. I have so much respect for players in this league and him. I play the game hard and I'm just mad that you know, it's they gave me a match and it hurt our PK. So, um, unfortunately, it's a bad bounce. They scored four goals, and I, I, I'll take the honest for that one. Thanks, Patrick. All right, so there's Patrick Maroon commenting after the game, and I think to go to the the suspension question, Rob. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a game, possibly to if if an elbow came up. I, I don't think we'd have any doubt. No, you're, but you're right. I think one at the most it will be, and. I think it's 50-50 right I, I, I do think it happened, obviously, very fast. Yep. I also think he knew who he was hitting oh. and what the circumstances was. And people have put out the YouTube video. You can just Google Maroon Doughty from the Stadium Series game when uh, Maroon was with Anaheim and Doughty chirping him and saying, how long were you in the minors and you're still a fourth liner? And I think they've had a bit of an ongoing feud ever since. Oh, yeah, they did earlier in the game too. And for Maroon to be effective and when he's at his best, he, he plays close to the edge and he, he's physical and he's mean and he's nasty. But it, it's all gamemanship. There's a time and a place for just about everything. And you're down one nothing in a game. You've dropped three straight and you're playing against a divisional opponent. You don't take dumb penalties. Because you know what? They'll score in the power play and you lose a hockey game. That's what happened tonight. So uh, I, I hope that it was there was no intent on injuring. Um, and we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't. But it didn't look good. And when you have a running feud with someone and you get him like that, it, uh, it looks worse. So uh, we'll see what the NHL says. But to me, the damage was done, whether there's suspension or not. The damage was done, done tonight. Oh, in, in terms of tonight's yes. game, that was... I mean, really, when you're... I mean, I don't know if a, a team would ever admit this, Rob, but you've, you've been in, in dressing rooms. I don't think a team would ever say oh, well, we know we're going to get scored on. But I, I would think if you get through a five-minute disadvantage and only give up one, you probably consider that as, as a bit of a win, and they gave up three on it. Well, yeah, and I, I agree. that It's just it, it, it's tough because you're you already going out into that penalty kill, uh, feeling the pressure, 
and the tension because you aren't very good on home ice. And now you're thinking, here we got, we have to kill this. It's not like the, the others are up 3 nothing in a hockey game and they have, okay, we just have to survive this. They had to kill it. And I don't think they could have gotten through with just one and one this game. I don't think they're coming back uh, down 2 nothing to the LA Kings and the way that Jonathan Quick played tonight. He was very he was, good. he was excellent tonight. So I think as soon as they gave up that first one, there was they deflated. And it just like here we go again, and it just compounded and compounded. I mean, and Anaheim got excuse me, uh, LA got some good bounces on the power play, but when things are going bad for you, you never seem to get the bounces. Five nothing, the Kings take it. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan in a couple of minutes. First, we'll sneak in a call from uh, Kevin at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kevin, thanks a lot for calling. Hey boys, I uh, uh, just wanted to call him uh, the guy that emceed the uh, comedy festival. Read, I I think you should have won that still, by the way. Oh. Oh, thanks, buddy. I appreciate <laughs> that. Great jokes. Uh, just quickly, we uh, we can talk. Stop. We're talking about the bounces, like Pulley uh, hitting the post and power play and all that penalty killing. But in the end, and Rob can maybe answer this for me: Is there merit to like team, to team chemistry is a little bit off as opposed to last year? I mean, like Hendricks being gone and all that. Uh, you know, do you do you agree that is there there's some merit to that or at all? Yeah, I do. I, I it's funny because, because it seems like like you say the bounces don't go their way, but it's also like the effort is not there as well. Agreed. Well, I don't know if the effort's not there. I I, I think sometimes the thought process isn't there. I think I I don't doubt that they're working hard. I think sometimes they're not working smart. Uh, I think chemistry is huge because it's funny. I was just watching the end of the the Vegas Nashville game. And Vegas does not have as much talent as a number of the teams in the league. I mean, they're a team of cast-offs, some pretty good cast-offs, but a team of cast-offs. But I watched them after the game celebrating and how much they enjoy being together. And chemistry goes a long way. It, it, I mean, you go back to the year the Oilers go to the Stanley Cup Finals here. That team loved being around each other. Now, I don't know anything about the dressing room here, and it, and it, might, it might be awesome. To answer your question, chemistry is huge on any successful hockey team, on any successful team, business, anything. Good chemistry usually leads to success. 5 nothing. the Kings take it. Let's go downstairs for GCL Diesel, serving oil country for 45 years with genuine diesel parts at wholesale prices. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Uh, Todd, maybe just start with the play uh, that Pat made there on uh, Dowdy the hit that it led to the 5 Yeah, he, he made contact with uh, Drew's head. It's, a, it's obviously not a legal play. Um, deserved a penalty on it. Was it a match penalty? I don't know. I, I thought Drew was trying to swipe the puck away, lowered himself in, but the referees have to make a very quick call. Uh, and, uh, you know, if they're going to err, they probably got to err in protecting the, the side of the, the players that were, um, were hit. So um, can argue whether it was a match penalty or not, but that's what it ended up being. Uh, you guys have clearly worked very hard on your PK and practiced it just the other day all day long, uh, and it just can't get any better. No, it just sucks the life out of us. It sucks the life out of us, and that's what happened tonight. We were okay for two periods. We made a mistake, and they scored. But the major penalty, um, it sucked the life out of us. And, um, again, multiple mistakes, um, things we worked on, um, cheating sometimes and leaving early. Not being able to clear a puck when you execute. Um, third one off the stanchion. You know what? That happens in a game. You're going to have some of those. It went off the stanchion, strange, and came back out. And, but the uh, the first two were preventable in my mind. How do you, you know, how do you change it? How do you fix it? Need, well, we've you need new we've coaches? pounded away. Systems. We need. We've pounded away on a lot of it, especially the last two weeks, and. Um, you know, we'll keep pounding away. I don't have the answer. We would have changed it a month ago. So, tough question for me to answer. Does the the lack of a penalty kill bleed over into the rest of the game? Yep. It makes the players yep. play differently? You don't play near as aggressive. You're, you know, so the penalty kill has to, it has to at least show up and instill a little bit of confidence in the team, and it's not doing that, which... I shouldn't say that because when we get on the road, we feel pretty good about it. It's what we do at home. So the last few years in, in other sports, 
people have brought in consultants and specialists. We see LA has, I think it's an offensive coordinator now with Turgeon, kind of a specialty role. Is that something you've even considered, a consultant, just a well, different have, viewpoint at all? We all have in, in the sports world when you're uh, coaching stuff. You have people that you call and you... Uh, Sometimes it's nice to get an outside opinion or somebody that's watching games on a consistent basis uh, that will give you their thoughts. We all have those type of those people um, that we, we call, and um, a lot of times they're seeing the same thing. Sometimes they see something different, and uh, you go back and you look for it, and you agree or you disagree, um, but uh, we all have those types of people. When it when it. When it was one nothing, and even up until that point, you guys had a lot of good chances and didn't finish. Where is bearing down coming into it at a point, or did you just tip your hat to Jonathan Quick and say, "Man, he just made some great saves." Well, Jonathan made some really good saves, but we also knew we had to elevate the puck, and we didn't do that on on a number of our chances. Uh, about the only one that was was up high was Jesse's open empty net that he put off the crossbar but a lot of the other ones were only uh, six to eight inches off the ice he's got tremendous legs he's very good um you know doing the the splits if you will if you want to call it that and he robbed us a number of times down low uh, but that's uh those are opportunities for us to get ahead in case the penalty kill doesn't go well uh yet i thought we played well up until that the major or the match penalty uh, we were in it with them, and uh, like I said, the penalty kill sucked the life out of us. Todd, it's pretty clear that Big David is generating opportunities, and, and he yep. seems to be around it a lot. Where are you at with Leon Dreisaitl and the amount that he's generating right now? Well, um, like a lot of our players, we expect more from him. All right, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Well, they need more from a lot of guys whether you look at the whole season or the last two games or the last four games for that matter. Oilers shut out for the second straight game. 5 nothing. L.A. takes it tonight. Three power play goals on the Maroon major penalty, the match penalty for the hit to the head. And, you know, Todd saying that the the penalty kill, the, the, the lack of success on the penalty kill, especially at home, bleeds over into other elements of the game because you lose confidence, you lose aggression, and it's it's wrecking. I mean, it's obviously wrecking actually the process of killing off a penalty, but it's it's wrecking other aspects of the game too. Oh, it certainly is. And all you have to do is, when the Oilers get scored on on a penalty kill, quickly look over to the bench, and you'll see bodies sag. You see you see shoulder sag. You'll see the looks on faces. That oh no, here we go again. Um, aggressive players have to be a little less aggressive. Uh, whenever you're in a forecheck or, or, or something along those lines, you're not as active with your stick because you're afraid to take a penalty. Uh, guys that who are on the penalty kill, they're coming off and they're down on themselves because I just got scored on again. Now all of a sudden the next five-on-five five shift, you're still a little down on yourself. And it, it, it's not... It's, it's When you get scored on as a penalty killer, it doesn't always bleed into your game. But when you're scored on consistently when you have the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League that's what weighs on you so it's it's one thing to say well it's just one goal let's go out next shift we're going to get it back but you're thinking I can't believe I just got scored on again and then you start questioning am I doing it right what am I doing wrong am I going to be back on the penalty kill again things start going through your head and it certainly takes away from from the rest of your game and tonight I mean this this was and through 40 minutes this was a great hockey game to watch both teams went at a hard trading chances in the first 20 minutes. Second period was much better uh, detail-orientated. There weren't a whole lot of scoring chances. Uh, LA Kings get their one, they capitalize. The Oilers don't capitalize on the couple that they have, but you're still thinking, well, this is a good hockey game. The Oilers are one shot away, penalty happens, three power play goals against, and all of a sudden the, the life is sucked out of the building, the bench, the, the, the rink, everything. And that all comes back to bad penalty killing on home ice. 5 nothing. the Kings take it. 780-496-0063. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown at Rogers Place. We have Simic on the line. Simic, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I got a point to make here. Uh, who, who, who put this team together? Well, I think you know that answer. So what's your comment on the general manager? That's my comment. We can talk about the penalty kill being weak. The fact that they can't score goals, we can talk about the fact that the defense is poor play. But at the end of the day, 
if you're not playing, if you don't have the right cards, you, you can only make so much moves. Why he's free from 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 criticism, Peter? Why well, we not? Well, he's not free from criticism. He gets free criticized quite a bit on our show all the time. This and, team, uh, this team he built. If he built five years ago, is good for NHL. But too much speed today's NHL. You have to, you have to build fast. So this he he should be more criticized than McClellan. It's not McClellan's fault. He is dealing the just playing the cards. He's being dealt. Shirelli is putting moves. Look at every move. We don't have time to speak every move, but look at every move he make and analyze. The Larson, the uh, all the pickup, the Kajula, the all the pickup, and you see what they do and where we are and how we are where we are. It is. Just why Shirelli is not receiving criticism. Well, he receives it all the time. So, I mean, don't be saying stuff that's clearly false. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I in my mind, Peter Shirelli clearly overestimated how some players would perform. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're halfway into the season. Uh, you know, and he was asked about it when he did uh, an availability about a th- uh, third of the way. I think it was after 27 or 28 games. And he was asked about taking, making bets on certain players, and, and he said they're not lost bets yet. Um, but, uh, I mean, we've talked about, uh, you know, I think that he thought Kajula could be a bit of a sniper. That has not happened. Slepyshev rarely plays. Um, I guess those would be a, a couple of guys. I, I mean, the, the, the Strom has done next to nothing as an oiler. Quite frankly, he doesn't contribute anything, and we knew he wasn't going to produce like Everly did. Um, but having said that, you know, so you, you got the cap savings, but Strom hasn't really done anything. And I and I understood after the playoffs and the criticism that Everly took in this market, he was. Gone. I understood why he was going to be yeah. gone, one way or the other. But the player they got for him has not even been a, a, a shadow of Everly's point production. As frustrated as we would have people calling in with with Everly sometime, so Shirelli's not free from criticism. Um, Having said that, game by game, they got to try to figure something out here because I don't know what the general manager is going to do drastically in the next couple of weeks. Oh, I don't think there's a whole lot you can do. Um, This is the same group that excited a city last year, more or less. Uh, That's why they were betting on these guys being able to, to accomplish it. There was a lot of, as Bob talked about at the end of the game, there's a lot of people that were predicting this team to compete for the Cup win the cup, be in the finals. I thought that was an overestimation of, uh, of what this team was, but I certainly thought they were going to be better than they are. So the, it was not just Peter Shirelli who thought that this was a, a pretty good group that he had put together. There was a lot of people in the hockey world that thought, you know, this is the Oilers taking the ne- next step forward. Obviously, through 40 games now, it hasn't come to fruition. And uh, I think you, you look at the coach, the GM, the players, everybody is underachieved on a team that should be better than it is. 5 nothing. Los Angeles takes it tonight. We have Tony on the line at 10.58. Tony, you got about a minute Happy here. Go ahead. Happy New Year, first of all. Same to you. Um, I have a few things that I've been, that me and my, me and my friend have been talking about. The first one is, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Woodcroft is a special teams coach, right? Well, Woodcroft is more involved with the power play. Johnson's more involved with the penalty kill, though all coaches contribute to everything. Okay, well, first of all, I think it's time to get rid of him because, honestly, he's not doing his job. We can find somebody else who is better. Uh, Second of all, we should get the guys together and put them in a room and show them what happened last year because something has happened in the room where... They went from liking liking playing hockey to oh we're just, we're just here to play oh well no we're not going to do much second uh, and there's a couple more sorry if if it's taking long give LB the start for next game because maybe it might wake up the defense to actually start looking and figuring out okay this is what I got to do and maybe release some contracts like a Kajula and like uh, um. Slepichet, because as you said, Slepichet hasn't played much at, at all this season. Why has somebody on the team who doesn't play at all? 
All right, thanks, Tony. We appreciate it. We're going to come back after the 11 o'clock news and weather. More post-game reaction, more of your calls, 780-496-0063. It is another lopsided loss for the Edmonton Oilers, 5-0 to L.A. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 Chair. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's 11.04. The Edmonton Oilers shut out for the second consecutive game. And once again, it's 5-0. The LA Kings doing the damage this evening. It was scoreless until 14-21 into the second. Andy Andrioff got through the Oilers' defense for a breakaway goal. Then, with 4.9 seconds left in the second period, Patrick Maroon hit to the head, match penalty, out of the game, five-minute power play for the Kings. They score three times on that power play in the third. Dustin Brown adds a late one, and that's how we got there. Jonathan Quick is the first star. Gabrick, the second star. Drew Doughty is the third star. You'll hear from him in a couple of minutes. Our fourth star is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and auto sale dates. Rob, we always uh, pick an oiler. Tough to do. Back-to-back. Uh, 5 nothing losses. Uh, I guess I'm just going to pick Dreisaitl because he led the team in shots on goal and was 82% in the face-off circle. you got to find something. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to let you pick tonight. Yeah, that's fine. We have Fred on the line, 780-496-0063. Hi, Fred. Yes. I think I should get four-star for having to watch that garbage tonight. No, I didn't think you were engaged enough, Fred. (laughs) Rob, I've got to disagree with you. That wasn't a very good hockey game right from the get-go, and I knew when Los Angeles got one, the floodgates would open. No wonder there's something terribly wrong with this team. I hope some of these players haven't tuned out already because it's looking that way to me. If that's the case, ship them out because some of the efforts are just horrendous out there, boys. Horrendous. Yeah, I thought I thought the first 40 minutes was good. I, I thought, thought it was thought, very competitive. I thought it was very competitive. I thought uh, the Oilers had as many chances, probably more chances than L.A. I thought it was a good hockey game. The second period, the Oilers clamped down. They weren't giving anything up. And then they made a, a, a mistake where Russell pinched in without a, thir- a third man high. But up until then, I thought it was a good hockey game. This game turned in a 10-15 second sequence when Pugliarvi missed the open net. He scores there. It's 1-1 going into the third. And, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be a great third period between uh, an L.A. team that's playing very well, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and the Oilers are trying to find their way. And we got a chance here. And then they take a silly penalty, and that's the end of it. So I, I, I didn't think there was a lack of effort through 40 minutes. I didn't think there was a lack of commitment. I think that once the L.A. Kings power play scored three goals, then the entire bench sagged, and that was the end of the hockey game. But up until then, if this was the first 40 minutes was good. Oilers lose 5-0. Drew Doughty heavily involved in this game. He took the headshot from Patrick Maroon. His comments for BDO, first call debt solutions, bankruptcies, and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. You know, big win by the team. Everyone played well. You know, every single line was used a lot. All the deep pairs were used a lot. So it was a great team effort and a big win. How are you feeling? It looks like kind of a grim hit. Yeah, I'm feeling all right now. Um, you know, obviously just the typical when you get in the head, uh, get hit in the head, just headaches and stuff like that. But passed all the concussion tests and uh, pretty fortunate I was able to get back out there. When you know the other guy takes a five on you guys, I mean, I mean I, the onus is probably like, let's make them pay. Was that kind of what was being? Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, first off, Forbes did it amazing job you know standing up for me and then standing up for the entire team and you know when stuff like that happens your, your team just comes together not that we were ever apart but you know our team came together and then scoring three goals on the power play to really you know shove it out their butts was uh, awesome were you in the dressing room during the second mission at all or were you no I, yeah i was i didn't i didn't come in the dressing room i was just doing concussion stuff and you know uh, i didn't have any concussion symptoms uh, so i was good to go back out it took 25 minutes or so man. yeah it takes a little while a lot of tests and uh, stuff like that you know uh yeah it took a little while and i would like to obviously get out there first but when you get hit in the head that's pretty important stuff you know, maybe not the best guy to ask because maybe you didn't see it coming but was it did he get oh i didn't off? see it at all yeah he just got me right in the head and i didn't even have the puck that's why i was like so shocked by it but uh you know i know maroon for a long time and you know he's just trying to finish a hit and i don't know that he meant to try to hurt me or anything like that so you know i forgive him and that's it 
All right, Drew Doughty uh, moving on. He was uh, okay left for the – well, he came back pretty early in the third. I think he wasn't on the bench for the first couple of shifts. He was out there three minutes into the period. Uh, Maroon, the five-minute match penalty. Oilers uh, couldn't kill it off. Three power play goals by the Kings. Five nothing is the final damage. No donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation for Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They give $25 every time the Oilers score. You can follow the total on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. It sits at $2,825. We have Scott on the line. Scott, thanks a lot for calling. Hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, this is uh, two-inch Scott from Atasquid. Um, yeah, I, I just thought the uh, the effort from the whole team was a little bit laughable tonight. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we touched on that. I, I really thought it was a good 40 minutes. I, I mean... New Year's Eve was clearly a debacle. Yes. Uh, against Winnipeg. I mean, tonight, chances both ways. First period, probably more for the Kings early, more for the Oilers late. Uh, tightened up. I mean, the shots were 14-12 Edmonton in the first period, 6-6 in the second period. Kings got uh, a breakaway. Well, they had two breakaways. Scored on one of the two. Puglia misses an open net. And then, as Rob has said, without the five-minute major, you're down a goal. Now, who knows if they would have come back, but you're down one nothing going to the third, playing five-on-five five hockey. And in the second, so they had the Puglia had the open net. Connor McDavid had a really nice rush where he came in and got the puck up high on quick. Uh, Connor McDavid hits Lucic in on a two-on-one. After great, drawing a penalty. After drawing a penalty. It was a great play by Clifford. If Clifford doesn't dive... He gets the penalty, knocks uh, McDavid down. That slowed McDavid down, and, and Lucic had to wait, so he didn't have as much time. By the time he got the puck, Quick was able to poke check him there. So Clifford knew he was taking a penalty, but that probably saved them a goal right there. So the Oilers had some great scoring chances in the second period. They just didn't capitalize. And uh, against Jonathan Quick, you've got to capitalize on the good ones because he doesn't let any weak ones in. And Jonathan Quick, in a 5 nothing whitewash, Probably doesn't get enough credit for how well he played. He was excellent in this game tonight. Yeah, made uh, stop. Dreisaitl got that bounce off the boards late in the first, had a little mini breakaway. He stopped that one. Uh, Maroon poked the puck right off Kempe's stick yeah. in tight, quick, able to react just quick enough to, to keep it out or just be be big enough that, that it hit him because there wasn't a lot of time to react uh, on that coming in. And, uh, yeah, and Dreisaitl I mean, had the one-timer that actually beat quick and it went through his legs and out the far side. It was on a power play. It was a bad angle shot but actually went through quick. So there were there were scoring chances. In the first te- period both teams had some scoring chances. The second, both teams tightened up. And then the third, uh, five minutes into the period it was over. 5 nothing. LA wins it. Let's go back down to the Oilers dressing room. Here's Captain Connor McDavid. Connor, uh, I mean, that's another disappointing result for you guys. I know the penalty kill was tough, but overall, what happened tonight? You know, honestly, I don't think you could be upset with our five-on-five play. Um, you know, obviously, you look at the special teams, and that's where that's where it all goes wrong for us. So um, you can't be too upset about, uh, like I said, the five-on-five play. We generated chances. Um, we just uh, oh, gave up uh, too many on the penalty kill. It's a couple of games where you guys haven't been able to find the back of that net. I know, I mean, you said you felt 5-on-5, five five, your game was better tonight, but the offense hasn't been coming. What, what do you see in there, Connor? What do you uh, not get? I think it's just bearing down on chances. I mean, you look at the chances we had tonight, we had well, very good ones. Um, you know, obviously, you can give credit to a very, very good goaltender. Uh, you know, obviously, one of the best in the league. And um, you know, But uh, sometimes you, you just look at some of the chances we missed. I mean, wide open net there at the end of the second, and we just, you know, just flat out missed the net. A couple breakaways, um, a lot of man rushes that uh, we got to bear down on. So, um, you know, it obviously starts with myself uh, when it comes to the offense. And, yeah. I know you said that you guys aren't going to panic in here and that you shouldn't panic in here, but what, what should you feel at this point? Uh, you know, I don't really know what to say to that. I um, mean, obviously, um, you know, we got to find ways to get wins, and, and uh, that's the bottom line. That's all it is. That's all it comes down to. 
All right, that is Connor McDavid. Obviously uh, frustrated again for the first time in his NHL career. He has gone three straight games without a point. Oilers shut out second straight night. 121, 45, 121 minutes, 45 seconds since they have scored 5-0. L.A. takes it. Spencer and Ryan up next on the phones. You'll hear from John Stevens, the Kings head coach. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final damage tonight, Los Angeles Kings 5, Edmonton Oilers nothing. Two points for Kopitar, two goals for Brown, two assists for Martinez leading the Kings attack. Jonathan Quick, excellent in net. He gets a 32-save shutout. Cam Talbot, 28 saves on 33 shots for the Oilers. Our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Well, we're not going to do the penalty killing tonight, so I guess we can just talk about it. And McDavid referenced it. Uh, I mean, you got to finish. Uh, you got to finish the chance. It, it ends 5 nothing, so it looks bad, obviously. But the Oilers did have a couple power plays when it's scoreless, a couple good looks when it's scoreless. And we all know, Rob, what the first goal can do. Well, well yeah, and we talked about it. You don't want to be chasing good teams in hockey games. And when the Oilers give up the first goal, albeit late, later in the hockey game, but if you give up the first goal, now you're chasing. And you've got to take chances. And your margin of error becomes that much smaller because now you you give up a, you make a mistake give up the second goal now you're really in trouble so uh, the Oilers uh, they I mean they didn't execute as well as they wanted to they missed some good scoring chances and it's come back to haunt them but I think the biggest thing is when they face adversity they've got to find a way to rebound and that's the thing that we saw last year when the Oilers faced adversity last year. It didn't bother them. It didn't phase them. They'd be down going to third, but no problem. We'll, we'll get it eventually. Here, when they face adversity, you can see the body sag. You can see uh, the body language. It, it's not There's good. doubt. There's doubt. There's doubt. And there was no doubt last year. They knew they were going to win hockey games. But there is doubt this year. And when you're playing with doubt, the other team smells it. They sense it. And they take advantage of it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Spencer standing by. Hello, Spencer. Hello. Go ahead, Spencer. Hey, um, I was wondering if you should, if the Oilers should make a trade for a top line forward to play with McDavid. I mean, we've seen Pujarvi try to play with McDavid. He had that wide open net. He misses. We've had Kelly Yamamoto miss wide open nets. Lucic isn't fast enough to keep up with McDavid. I don't know what we can see. Um, I, I believe that Peter Shirelli is always looking at ways to make this team better. I think. Um, there are a number of players around the National Hockey League that if they played with Connor McDavid, uh, it w- they would star, and, and Connor McDavid would find, ha- would find success with them, and they would find success with Connor. The problem with if you're trying to find a top-tier player to play with the Edmonton Oilers, you're, treating, you're giving up something really good. You're Clefbaum or Nugent oh, Hopkins yeah, or, yeah. So that, or something like that. So that's the problem that you have. Now, I, I think Puglia Yarvey's going to be a pretty good player, Spencer. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't get on him too much just because he, he didn't cash that one in tonight. Yeah. But they, they – they, and, and again, this has been talked about since the summer – they need more depth down the wing. And and I personally understood both the Hall and the Larson deals. Oh, yeah. No, uh, but, I mean, I referenced this earlier. I mean, Larson was a totally different player from Hall. For the most part, he's done his job. Ryan Strom plays the same position as Jordan Eberle, and it's an extreme drop-off in production. We knew no, it would be a drop-off. It's been an extreme drop-off in production. I mean... Nobody really expected Strom to fill in the role that Everly did, but people didn't expect him to not score goals and to not contribute at all. He doesn't have an impact on a lot of games, right, in any way. Yeah. No. He scored that 10,000th goal and a couple of other ones, like in three games, but that was really it. He's slowed down now. Yeah. No, it's it's tough, Spencer. And, uh, I mean, I know obviously when the team's going bad, I mean, you want changes. You want somebody fired. You want this, this, and this. Most most teams nowadays, Rob, are built in the summer. Mm-hmm. I mean the the Kyle Turris deals 
there might there might be one trade per season that's it, like that's significant in season. Even a lot of the deadline deals are UFA for draft picks. Yes. Right. Even what what deadline deals have the Oilers made? Well, Patrick Maroon for Gurnat, who was never gonna. Uh, gonna play, you know. Justin Schultz was 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 traded away when when things were going poorly for him. So, yeah, I mean th- that's that's the tough thing, and and I know fans want to be hopeful, and I and I want to be hopeful, and I want to see the Oilers go on a run. But yeah, I mean I don't I don't know if you can give up. Well, the the, the thing something is something really big. Teams have guys on. Uh, on, under contract that are here simply because of the salary cap and they understand contracts. So it's not like 10 years ago when you could make a trade. It's simply a hockey trade. Now it's a hockey trade, but it has to work financially and it has to work term and not just for the remainder of this year. you got to think, okay, we can fit him in the salary cap this year, but next year he's got another year left and this guy's contract goes up and we have to sign this guy and then this guy's here too. So it's got to be able to work uh, and then you got to okay, how much is the salary cap next year? So it's hard to do in-season trades. Now, if if the Oilers are a team that's on the outside looking in in April, then this GM will not stand pat with the team that he has. Um, or the organization. Or the organization. Sorry, with the GM, you're right. Excuse right? me. The organization from top to bottom, they will look to see what, what went wrong and how can we make it better and why did it go wrong. But I don't see a whole lot of... Uh, huge moves coming, and another thing that that who was, in season in season, in yes, season, yes. In season. Another thing that that gentleman just talked about was the ten thousandth goal, and you just brought it up earlier. The zero zero tie that the others had last year, they won in a shootout, yes. and that goal counted as one of the yes, ten thousand. See, that is what's wrong I with know that you're whole upset ten. About it, Still Rob upset. Brown. I'm sorry you know what? I'm upset. You the five nothing game threw me off, and then you tell me about that shootout goal, and now I'm just completely. Just let it go. Man. I'm flabbergasted. No, just I'm let not. It go. I'm not. I'm going to celebrate when they score their real 10,000th. Well, we'll all keep track of it. Could just, you please? Just, because just, I can't just, count that high. Just for you. Uh, let's go back down to the L.A. Kings dressing room for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Here's Kings head coach, John Stevens. The hockey game, I thought it was really close. Uh, a really good first period. I thought we got off to a good start. I thought both teams had chances. And you know, even going into the third, I thought it was a really close game. Uh, and then, you know, like the power play really turned it there. They took a, the penalty on uh, Drew. And from my perspective, I um, really like what happened there. Number one, you had a teammate stand up for a teammate, which I think should have happened there. And the power play dug in and got some production out of it, which I think should happen there. So uh, it was, to me, it was a difference in the game. But uh, it was a really good response from the team. Especially when it comes off the top of a period like that? Well, yeah, it was actually fortunate for us because, you know, Drew had to get checked out as per the league rules and should and he should make sure he was okay and kind of bought us some time so he could get back involved in the power play because he was fine. So I think the timing was good. Give us a chance uh, to get emotions settled down a little bit and, and, and get ready to start the third. He didn't come back out until a few minutes into the third. When did you know he was cleared to come back out? Uh, we went out. He, they were still finishing up, but he didn't have to get dressed. So uh, we were told on the bench shortly after the period started that he was coming. Big relief, obviously. Pardon me? Big relief, obviously. Yeah. Anytime a guy uh, you know, takes a hit to the head, uh, any player, um, you, you look out for the health of the player and you hope he's okay. So he's great. He's doing fine, and uh, we were happy to get him back. Going into that third period, what does the coaching staff do to work with the players when you obviously have four minutes and 55 seconds of power play time? Well, fortunately, we just had an opportunity to work on our power play today with some extended practice time, so everybody got a chance, and we just thought it was necessary to have a third unit ready. You know, I think five minutes going every other shift can be taxing for your players, and uh, we were fortunate to get some production, but we had three units ready to go there, so we, I think we used nine guys or ten guys in that situation, which I think was really helped us, kept guys fresh. I think you got to get the puck back on the power play, and you got to recover pucks, so we got, uh, I think that had a big factor in us getting the goals just because we had fresh people on the ice. Kopitar took a hit on his left arm or his shoulder or something was flexing it on the bench. That turned out to be nothing? Uh, so, you know, as far as I know, yeah. he's fine. Overall, were you pleased with uh, the road performance here? Yeah, I thought the guys, yeah, it was, it was an excellent outing by our hockey team. I thought we got production from everybody in our lineup. I thought we played hard. I thought we stuck with the game plan. That, that's a good team. They're, uh, they come at you. They're as good a team on the rush as you're going to find in the league. And McDavid is... Uh, he needs special attention. He can create every time he's on the ice with his speed. So I thought he had some flurries there, but I thought the team and the team checking mindset was exactly what it needed to be. John Stevens, he and the LA Kings having a very good season, 24-11-5. and 
they'd be in first place in the Pacific Division if the NHL hadn't decided to add this team in Vegas, who won its eighth straight game tonight, beating the Nashville Predators 3-0 as we check the advantage trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. Avalanche over the Jets 3-2 in overtime. Ducks beat the Canucks 5-0. Lightning shut out the Maple Leafs 2-0. Bruins over the Islanders 5-1. Penguins over the Flyers 5-1. Capitals win in overtime 5-4 against Carolina. Sharks take down the Habs 4-1. Blues edge the Devils 3-2 in a shootout. Wild knock off the Panthers 5-1. Blue Jackets edge the Stars 2-1. World Juniors Canada wins its quarterfinal 8-2 over Switzerland. Czech Republic over Finland, 4-3 in a shootout. So Canada plays the Czech Republic. United States over Russia, 4-2. Kyler Yamamoto had a goal. Sweden edges Slovakia, 3-2. So they will play the States in the semis. Here at Rogers Place, Kings beat the Oilers 5-0. Three power play goals early in the third period. We'll bring Ryan onto the phone line, 780-496-0063. Ryan, before we finish the play with you, go ahead. Hey guys, uh, just a couple opinions on my part. Both of them probably not very popular right now in Edmonton. Um, I hear a lot of people complaining about Shirelli. Um, my take on it on this off season, he basically did the two things I thought we needed after the playoffs. You look at two players in Everly and Pouliot, and I thought both of them had to go. Basically, almost no matter what we got back, obviously Strom's been disappointing, but I just thought they both kind of needed to go. Um, and I think the pieces are there. He's probably going to make a move sometime before the deadline to shake things up. Um, so I think people need to relax a little bit. We're still a good hockey team. Watching the first 40 minutes, so we're playing against a really good club. And like it was neck and neck, chances back and forth. So that was awesome. Um, second thing, probably not very popular at all. Um, I'm a big Crest Russell fan. I really like the way he plays. Um, and a lot of people don't like him, but I like to compare him to Sekera. And what has Sekera done this year that you guys think is good? I know he just got back, but I think he's third or fourth last in the team in plus minus, minus seven, six games. And I haven't really seen much out of him. Well, Sekera has struggled it's, since it, he's come yeah, back from hard injury. It's to totally and, judge him yet. But, and, that's, yeah. and that's usually yeah. what happens. Whenever a guy comes back from injury, the first game is pretty good because he's playing just strictly on emotion. He's, ex- he's excited. But then you start playing two, three, four, five games into it, and you're playing against guys that are at you know midseason form. And you are nowhere close to midseason form, and, and this game seems faster than it usually is. Uh, your decision making isn't as good as it should be. So Sekra, I, I, I don't judge him on what he's done thus far. I judge him on what kind of defenseman we've seen over the last couple of years, and he, he's good. Uh, Chris Russell, I like Chris Russell too, uh, and I, I think I'd love to see a replay of the the breakaway goal, the one that made it one nothing, to uh, to see if. It was all on him, or if there should have been a forward in the position that it was, but it was a pinch that turned into a breakaway. And at that point, the Oilers were it was going pretty good. Things, yeah. and then all of a sudden they get a breakaway and they're down one nothing. And you're chasing a team that's very, very good. So I don't know uh, if there's anyone that can go without critique right now for the Edmonton Oilers where they are in the standings and where they have been. I think there's been flashes of what we saw last year, but there's been a lot of nights where you're left wanting more and needing more from this team. Yeah, that's fair enough. Spencer, you're going to finish the play. We're looking to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U-Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Here we go. Kings had a chance to clear, but Gabrick did not. McDavid has it right back. Dishes. One-timer Larson. That was deflected. Rebound. Well, who took that shot with the open net that hit the crossbar? Uh, Pooley Arby. Kings had a chance to clear, but Gabrick did not. McDavid has it right back. Dishes. One timer Larson. That was deflected. Rebound off the crossbar from Pooley Arby and the whole net. Spencer, excellent work. Stay on the line. Kellen will take down your information. You win. Finish the play. The Oilers do not win. They have not won in their last four games. 0 3 1. 5 0. LA takes it tonight. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio, 630 chair. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 11.35. The Edmonton Oilers playoff hopes 
not looking good even though there is half a season plus a game to go they are nine points out after losing five nothing to los angeles tonight edmonton 17 20 and three on the season just eight 12 and one on home ice they will play anaheim on thursday and then they go on a five game road trip and then uh, they get their bye week reed wilkins rob brown face off trivia before the game which member of the king's coaching staff Scored 58 goals in 92-93. That's a heck of a year. Pierre Turgeon. I, and again, I did not know he was part of the Kings coaching staff, but uh, it was a nice addition to, to the L.A. Kings because he knew how to put the puck in the net. Dave knew that. He gets a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Rob. Oilers' playoff hopes looking bleak. Vancouver's playoff hopes looking bleak. Calgary's playoff hopes uh, in between. They are four points out. Winnipeg will get in. Montreal's playoff hopes looking bleak. Ottawa's playoff hopes extremely bleak. Toronto, barring a collapse, will get in. We will likely see just two Canadian teams in the playoffs, barring an incredible rally from one of the other five. Well, hopefully there will be a rally. Hopefully it's here in Edmonton. Um, yeah, it, I mean, what was it, two years ago where every and Canadian none? team? What was it, two years was none? When was it last year that they were all in? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, Vancouver wasn't in last year. Yeah, but we don't count Winnipeg Vancouver. wasn't in Vancouver. It wasn't in last year. But it's, it, you know, it, there's high expectations and uh, some of the Canadian teams had, you know, the bar was up there. Ottawa goes there in triple overtime, was it? They lost last year in Game 7 at Double Pittsburgh. Double overtime. Double yeah. overtime. So they have a chance to move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. Everyone's expecting the Oilers this year. Montreal's always uh, a perennial playoff team. But sometimes the expectations are higher than what the, the team is capable of. And that's why it's frustrating and it's sad, sad and it's disappointing. But at the end of the day... Usually, when you get to playoff time, the top 16 are there for a reason, and the ones that aren't because they weren't good enough. Uh, the Oilers, thus far this season, have not put enough good games together to be any closer to the playoff race than they are right now. And they've got half a season for some guys to decide, well, to, to, to prove if they want to be or will be Oilers next year because if this team does not make the playoffs, there will be a number of changes. Well, two guys are unrestricted free agents that could have value to other teams. Maroon, despite what happened tonight, and uh, and Latestu. Well, so. it, it, if the Oilers are not any closer to the playoffs by the, the trade deadline, then uh, Maroon, for sure, will be moved. Uh, they may try to move Latestu. I guess that's uh, if there's a, a fit for him somewhere. But Maroon would be a player that would certainly be picked up by a team that's in a playoff race. Hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully the Oilers will put something together right away and get themselves into a position where they can still believe. But yes, the the Oilers do not want to be sellers at the trade deadline, but right now they would be considered one that teams would be looking at to pick players off of. 5 nothing LA wins it tonight. Second straight 5 nothing loss for the Edmonton Oilers. Back down to the dressing room. Here's center Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Frustration, um, part, but you can't let that sit in. Is it at a time like this that you have to sort of come together even more? Like- uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You don't want to um, get mad at each other, uh, get mad at yourself even. Um, I mean, the only way that we're going to come out of this is uh, if uh, every one of us uh, stays positive um, and wants it. And, uh, we got to get back to that. And um, these four games we can flush flush away right now and uh, start moving on. We got division games. Uh, this was a division, obviously, so we wanted a better result. But um, some more division games coming up, so uh, <clears throat> I got to take pride in those ones. Obviously, Patrick's not trying to hurt the team, but that penalty, uh, they end up getting three power play goals on it. Just a thought on maybe what he's going through and, and, and that whole situation. Well, I'm sure it's um, tough for him to just be watching that for sure. And, um, I don't know much about the penalty, but uh, <clears throat> obviously to give up three like that first five minutes um, in a five-minute power play is uh, it, uh, it's definitely a tough, uh, tough way to start the third. Thanks. Yeah. Read that's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. All right, Brendan Ulrich working in the Oilers dressing room. I mean, obviously uh, we're hearing a lot of the same comments that we've heard often throughout the season. Try to stay positive. Don't get down. Have to keep working. But uh, the results uh, simply 
have not been coming for Edmonton. As you mentioned, Rob, a few minutes ago, it would have to be a, a dramatic rally. And they're playing an Anaheim team. I mean, this is going to be interesting. Oilers lose 5 nothing tonight. Anaheim wins 5 nothing over the uh, fading Vancouver Canucks. Well, the Ducks are a team that faced a lot of adversity at the beginning of the season. They're out. No Getzlaff. No Kessler. They had a couple of their defensemen out of the lineup. Perry went down with an injury. Yet they hung in the battle. They, they, they stayed within, you know a stone's throw of getting into the playoffs. And once they got healthy, you start seeing this as well. This is the team that the Oilers saw in the playoffs last year. They're good. They've got some very good, skilled players up front. Their defense is good. And Gibson and tonight Miller, who played tonight and got a shutout, they got quality goaltending. So it will not get any easier for the Edmonton Oilers. And that game is actually more important than the LA King game. The LA Kings have... Uh, extended the lead on the Oilers. I don't know. I don't think the Oilers, even if they get on a run, can catch L.A. No. But a team like Anaheim, that's the team you're going to have to catch. An Anaheim or a Minnesota or a San Jose. And if the Oilers were to let Anaheim gain another two points on them on Thursday, I think they're nine points now behind Anaheim. Is that yep. what it is? To, so if they lose, to then now you're down 11 points to an Anaheim team who's only in a wild card spot, then you're in a lot of trouble. So it, the importance of that game is... Uh, I, I don't know how you can say it, it is anything but humongous. And Anaheim's playing well. And again, just like I said tonight for this L.A. team, they're coming in. They want to push the Oilers completely out of the picture. Yep. That's one less team that they have to worry about. Anaheim, they went into Vancouver tonight. Vancouver's now another two points behind them. Coming into Edmonton, they want to get Edmonton two, two more points behind. So the Oilers can't allow that to happen. And the Oilers have got to get a lead in a hockey game. They've, they've got to not be the team chasing. And they've got to come out fast, and they've got to capitalize. And I know everyone's trying to score, but eventually something's got to go in for the Oilers when they get their chances early in a hockey game. I want to ask you about something here. Carter Hart, the <laughs> goaltender for Team Canada, yeah. has to be the last guy off the ice. Well, yeah. in his mind. Yes. There's no rule, no team rule. Mm-hmm. It's his... I think that's routine crossing into superstition or Oh, it's, it's superstition. Yeah. It's superstition. Yeah. And I know I talked to Kelly Rudy about it last week because the I think what they was it when they played Slovakia the backup goalie would go on and stretch and Hart would wait for him to leave the ice. And I remember Ray Ferraro saying on the TV broadcast that if he were the Slovakian goaltender, stay he, out all night. And and today it reached the point where the Swiss goalie real was doing that. He yeah. he was out waiting Hart to the point. We were just watching the highlights. The Zambonis were circling. Yeah. And I mean, I think the linesman or somebody should have said, "Guys, leave at the same time. Like you got to get it. You got to get off." So explain what happened, Rob, and what, and what you think of that whole scenario. Well, yeah, so Hart is the starter for, for, for Team Canada. First of all, he wants to be the last guy off the ice. It's part of his superstition, part of his ritual. And I've seen players that have had that, but normally they're, they're skaters. Very rarely do you see a goalie want to be the last guy off the ice, especially a, a starting goalie. The starting goalie usually leaves with about three minutes left in warm-up, and the backup takes the rest of it. So he's a starting goalie. So now he's getting out of any routine that he has in the dressing room because he's got to wait. Again, if if on Thursday they play against the Czechs, if I'm the Czech, I would have the Czech backup goalie. If I'm the coach, I would tell my backup goalie, you stay there. <laughs> I don't care. Out at center ice. Yeah, if, if this, make the Zamboni drive around you. I mean, do whatever you can. And that's where it gets to be um, detrimental, that kind of ritual, because... In his head, he has to do this. Now, if, what if the Czechs do that? What if they wait? Now he's out there an extra 10 minutes. And now he goes to the dressing room. Now he's completely out of his whole routine because he usually does this at this time, that at that time. But now he can't because he stayed out so long. And now he's in his head. Is he going to be not as good because he didn't come out last? And it's funny, and you and I watched the replay. So they showed today the, um, the Swiss goalie stayed on the ice and Hart stayed. Eventually, the Zamboni's going around. Hart says, okay, I'm done. He goes off the ice down the runway. Swiss goalie sees. He goes off. Hart stood in the runway around the corner waiting for the Swiss goalie to leave. Swiss goalie leaves. He skates back out on the ice, does a twirl, and comes off so that he's the last person off the ice. 
uh, completely strange, weird. But yeah, if I'm playing against Team Canada, my backup goalie is not leaving the ice. He, you know what? I will put extra rubber on him in case the Zamboni hits him. But I'm throwing Hart <laughs> completely great. off his game. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> they tie him to they tie him to the soft uh, like the mighty the duck goalie. Yeah, they tie him they to tie the, him the net. The net. Yeah. Like he can't, can't leave. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and and Kelly made that same same point last week too. He, he said there's a point where. You you have to let it go. You can't mm-hmm. get so locked in on these routines. And Rudy told the story that he was uh, he was playing for the Islanders. They were the visitors in a rink, and he always had to put his sticks in a certain way next to the stick rack. And the uh, dressing room attendant, like a teenage kid who worked the visitor's mm-hmm. dressing room, moved the sticks to do something. And Kelly lost it on him. And I don't know if it was Potvin. It was one of the Islanders' veterans, like, gave Rudy heck and so like you can't treat the kid that way and you can't get that locked into where like if you're if if you're showing your teammates that now you think you're going to have a bad game because your sticks were moved five feet like we can't have that no you're right and it's I, I've played with lots of guys with superstitions and, and lots of rituals but <laughs> if that is the whole basis of how you play well and how you don't play well and it's not the hours of practice and the workouts and and, and the video sessions if that's not going to make you play well but it's how your stick stands or how you tape your stick or what music you listen to well then you're not as strong mentally as you need to be to play this game so uh, hopefully Hart will outgrow this and, and move on from it because I can tell you this that when he gets to the next level there's coaches that aren't going to allow their starting goaltender to stay out on the ice just so he can come off last. So there will be a coach that eventually will say, you know what, no more. And he's got to be strong enough to be able to get through that. Rob, we'll see you Thursday night. Hopefully the Oilers get out of this. I I hope so. It'd be a much more fun show if they did. 5.30 face-off show on Thursday, 7 o'clock, start of the game. Oilers will host the Anaheim Ducks, the final tonight, 5-0 for Los Angeles. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 630Ched. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night.